Thanks for listening to the Declaration Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor John Sherrill. For more information about Declaration Church and other resources, visit declaration.org. Slightly over 2,000 years ago now, um, God came to dwell among us. Amen? And uh, man, I, I, I hope that if you've been with us all month that you're beginning to, uh, not to be cheesy with the theme, but you're beginning to see what I see, right? When it comes to the Christmas story. Um, that this story can almost seem frozen in time, if you will, a lot like that video that we saw. But man, I'm really praying that this is becoming even more real to you, that it's coming more alive to you moment by moment, especially in these next few hours that we'll be able to spend just a little bit of time together, but more importantly, not even just with family, but focusing on Jesus and the, and the real reason for this season. Isn't it amazing how a baby can change everything? Anybody, you remember when you were young, married, double income, no kids, and all of a sudden that baby come along and you didn't see a date night for like six months and you wondered where all that money went and it was to diapers and form. You remember that? <laughs> Babies can change everything. I, I, speaking of baby, actually, I know Pastor Carol, they, they just had their first grandbaby. So she's a grandma now, y'all. <laughs> Not old, seasoned, but she's a grandma. And uh, that's, that's Oliver. I call him Otis. I don't know why I came up with Otis, but I'm sure that her son will not appreciate me nicknaming him Otis, but so make sure you tell Mike and Carol congratulations. That's um, their new grandbaby. Babies are cute. So the story of Christmas, an amazing story, but, but I think it's important that we frame this today and understand that the story of Christmas is surrounded. I mean, it is chock full of supernatural events, supernatural events. It's very important for me to establish that groundwork. And hopefully you've been hearing that over the last few weeks if, you, if you've been with us. But, but more even today and as we go into tomorrow, that you begin to understand just the level, I mean, the depth, the gravity of the supernatural events that took place in this little frame, this little story that we call the Christmas story. That God would lower himself from his place of ultimate glory into really what could be viewed as, as poverty, if you think about it. That God would come to man so that in turn, man could then come to God. So as we begin to see the Christmas story unfold, I want you to see, we're going to be in the book of um, Luke today. And in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's, um, I heard some pastor one time say, it's right after, as the Old Testament ends, there's a prophet named Malici. He's Italian, just playing, it's not true. Malachi, but Matthew, Mark, Luke. So we're going to be in the book of Luke today. And, and as we see it unfold, there's this lady in, in, in this story named Elizabeth, not to be confused with Elizabeth from our church, because this Elizabeth is like 80 years old and she is pregnant, y'all. Yes. <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> For the podcast, someone just said, I'm not. Good. Her name is Elizabeth. Um, but this old Elizabeth right here, she's like 87 or 88 years old and she is with child. Talk about a baby changing everything. <laughs> I mean, Yeah. She's thought to be barren, not able to conceive anymore. And we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to be um, kind of bouncing back and forth between the passage translation, which is a paraphrase, or the passion, I'm sorry, the passion translation, and then the new living. Um, and so uh, I think that this language helps us to see it in, in a far more beautiful, descriptive way. And so Luke chapter 1, 26, it's a section of scripture known um, or called the Annunciation. And it's here that we find that Elizabeth this old lady, Elizabeth, is six months pregnant, which is a supernatural event in and of itself. Um, and we see Mary from Nazareth, which is a young Jewish peasant girl, really. So let's look at it. Verse 26 it says, during the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
The angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the son of the highest. He And the Lord God, he will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as king of Israel forever and his reign will have no limit. In verse 34, Mary said, but how can this happen? I'm still a virgin. So just pause right there. What do we know? Right, just from this little this little section of, of scripture, what do we know? So we can assume that this old gal Elizabeth is probably freaking out a little bit right now. I mean, she's eighty eight, wouldn't you? <laughs> she's pregnant. And we know that there's, there's this young lady, Mary, who is being visited by probably what is a most likely a massive angelic being in her her place, giving her this message saying, God's favor is upon you. Though you're just a peasant girl, God sees you, God knows you, God has massive purpose for your life. And can I just say, as I was studying this, man, I needed to be encouraged by this. I bet you somebody in the house needs to hear this today. Somebody needs to know um, that that God uses all kind of people in massive ways to make an eternal difference. People that might feel completely anonymous and obscure. Do you understand that, you know, this, this girl, Mary, she would have lived and died in obscurity had it not been for Jesus. No one would have even known who she was. Not, not, but, but for God's working out his redemptive purpose in, in her life, we know her. Please let this encourage you today, especially if you've ever felt invisible, if you've ever wondered if your life had any value or any purpose or any meaning at all. Think about Mary. Think about her. The only thing that causes us to know her at all is that God knew her. And God supernaturally used her to make an eternal difference in this world. So I want you to hear that today. You know, I thought about this even in the last service. I used to do student ministry all the time. And and I began to realize you can never tell a student enough times how much God loves them and how much God has a purpose for their life. And And then I realized something. Man, we're no different As adults, we need to hear this over and over. We need to be reminded of God's love for you, of the fact that God sees you. God is intimately and keenly aware. He's so knowledgeable about every detail of your day, of your life. He loves you, and he has such incredible purpose just for you. God supernaturally used this girl, Mary, to make such an eternal difference. And you know what? God wants you to discover the purpose that he has for you as well. And he wants to use you in a significant and a supernatural way to make an eternal difference in this world. So here's what we know. God's favors on Mary. He has anointed her for such a time as this very moment that we're studying right now. He's given her purpose. Mary would supernaturally become pregnant with Jesus, God's son, who would become the Messiah. He would be the Messiah and he would reign with no limit. This was a cultural no-no. If you remember, if you were here, when we were studying the book of Matthew and we saw just the Hebrew custom of marriage. You know, here you've got Mary. Most likely some theologians debate on her age at this time. She could have been as young as 12 years old already, but to Joseph. Think about this. 
And in, in this, when, when you're betrothed to someone in this custom, you're practically married. You're practically husband and wife. Even though you don't live together for this year, this first year, she still lives with mom and dad. He still lives in her, his place. And then after this year of proving that, you know, that the bride is pure, then he goes and he takes her to his house. They, they consummate their marriage and they continue to live. And, and so Mary and Joseph are in this little, this little space and time of this year of waiting, if you will. And she gets this message from this angelic being that she's about to be pregnant. This is a no-no. It's a no-no, culturally speaking. And if this is not weird at all, then you've also got, you know, cousin, cousin Liz over here in the background who's at the ripe old age of 80 saying that she's pregnant as well. And I'll bet Liz looks probably, Elizabeth probably looks like this lady. You remember this lady from Hallmark, the greeting cards? That's her. With a baby bump, right? I mean, can you imagine this? So you, you recount this story and, and here's, here's why I made such a thing about the supernatural events. Believing this story, receiving this story requires a measure of faith, a big measure of faith. Because here you've got this angel, right, having this conversation with Mary. Look at it again. I'm going to be in the New Living this time. Verse 28. So Gabriel, this angel, appears to Mary and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. She's confused. She's disturbed. Mary, she, try, she tries to think of what this angel is even saying. And he says, Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. For you found favor with God. You're going to conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, which is, you know, she even probably realizes in that statement, this is prophecy coming into play. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. So the first thing I want you to, to wrap your heart around today is this crazy supernatural occurrence in the Christmas story. Look at how God is moving and working even on our behalf. You know, we started this whole series with a simple question. How do you see God? How do you what do you believe about him? I mean, that's why we named this series what we did. Do you see what I see? And it's not even about my, these are not my opinions. This is all straight from scripture. That's why we've been in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the gospels, evaluating the Christmas story for ourselves. Do you see this? Because in regard to all this, just as I started, I said this in week one, the story of Christmas really just is the story of Jesus. And it take, you, you got to understand, man, I, it, it, he's supernatural, and it requires a great deal of our faith to say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not just only going to just believe this about you, but I'm going to receive you as well. I'm going to receive you. It's a story of a supernatural God who moves in miracles and provides salvation to us through supernatural means. You know, I imagine that probably somebody in the house today needs for God to move in a supernatural way right about now. I bet, I bet there's somebody here that's just begging. They've been contending, God, I, I need you to move. I need you to move in a supernatural way. Someone desperately needs the gift of hope this Christmas. And you know what? Maybe they're not sitting in these chairs just yet. This is why that we've got, you know, shameless plug, but this is literally why we've, we've gone to the, the process of providing and paying for those invite cards. They're in every other chair, and there's a bunch of them at the Connection Center. Please take these. You have no idea what that little piece of paper could be the greatest Christmas gift that you ever give to somebody, even if they're a stranger. I know somebody's going to H-E-B today. I know it's going to happen. You'll probably see me. <laughs> You'll probably be at Kroger, Walmart. Take the cards. You're going to get fries at Whataburger after service. Some of you are thinking about it right now. You just got hungry because I said Whataburger. It is anointed. Take that invite card. Give it to the person right there that's giving you that food and say, you know what? Thanks for this food. It will bless me. Let me bless you back, right? Come to church with me tomorrow. It's going to be good. 
Someone needs the gift of hope, y'all. I promise you this. Even right here in the house, I guarantee you there's someone struggling, and they just need hope to put another foot in front of the other. So let me offer you some hope through our text this morning. In light of what we've heard so far, I want you to hear this. The first point I want you to see. The story of Christmas is the story of God's provision. It's the story of God's provision. Look at it, verse 34. Mary looks at the angel. How can this happen? This is not possible. I'm a virgin. (laughs) This can't happen. The math doesn't add up. I mean, Mary hears these words from the angel, but immediately is challenged with the unbelief of her finite human ability. I mean, how many of us do that? If we feel like we get a word from God or if we, if we get challenged by something that we read in the scripture and, and we think, oh, that's not for me. How many of us get challenged by our finite human mind or just to, to the limit of our own ability? Do we believe God understanding that truly he is supernatural or do we just default to what our own ability can do? Do we trust who we are or what we can do more than we trust who he is and what he has done and what he can do? That's the question. You see, too often, we we can only see as far as our ability. Our own ability can take us. I mean, we live our life with self-imposed lids and limits all the time. But God, he reigns on high. He moves in miracles. He operates outside of our space and our time. Um, He's not bound by the laws of physics or science or, 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 you know, but rather in him, all things are held together. He keeps, he holds. In him, all things consist and exist. He's the creator, the sustainer, and the keeper of all. And it's his sovereign, supernatural ability that has no borders or boundaries. He has no lids and no limits. He's God, after all. So listen, church. Open the eyes of your heart today, all right? Receive this Christmas story. Here's why. Because when you hit a mountain, and you will, when you, can, when you have conflict with a giant in the land, and you will, can I tell you something? Faith will always see further than what your own ability will be able to ever accomplish. Some of you write that down. It's good. Write that down. Faith can see further. See, Mary says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I'm young. Yes, I'm betrothed, but I'm pure. And God says, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. You, you have to understand the depth of wonder that Mary must be feeling in her heart at the, at the sound of this news, at the knowledge of this information or this event altogether. I mean, you know, she's saying, I can't. And, 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 and the angel's saying, but God can. And he will. He will. Listen, maybe someone today is looking at their life with the information that's right there in front of them, readily available, and you're thinking, man, this Next season is impossible. There's no way that I'm going to break through this barrier and get to that. And what we are seeing right in front of us completely looks absolutely undoable, impossible. Can I tell you something? Listen, church, stand firm. Stand firm. See through the eyes of faith because faith sees further than the lids and limits of your understanding. And you serve a God of the supernatural, not the natural. You serve the God of the extraordinary, not the ordinary. You serve the God that created our ability in and of itself. And he moves so far, just so far beyond that. Stand firm. So verse 35, Gabriel says this to Mary. He says, 
the spirit of holiness will fall upon you and the almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child born to you will be holy, set apart completely, and he will be called the son of God. What's more, if that's not enough, now he says your aged aunt, that old girl, which we don't know, it's in fact, I actually looked at this between services. Was she a cousin? Was she an aunt? Theologians disagree. We know it just says kinsman. And when you look at the Greek, it's just kinsman. So it could be first cousin, could be fourth cousin, could be aunt. She's, y'all, she's family. All right, can we just say that? <laughs> says, listen, if this, if this news that I just gave you isn't enough, your 88-year-old aunt over there, she's pregnant with a son. <laughs> the barren one, she's now in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. I like verse 37 in the NLT because it says, for the word of God will never fail. Listen, someone today, listen. Not one promise from God is empty of his supernatural power. Nothing is impossible with God. So not only is the story of the Christmas the story of God's provision, but the story of Christmas is also the story of God's faithful promise. And God's promises are sure. He's faithful. You can take this to the bank. If he tells you something, he will deliver. Faithful is he who calls. He will bring it to pass. He is going to work all things together for good. He who began a good work is what? Faithful to complete that work. Um. He will pay for what he orders in your life. Come on, somebody. Can I tell you something as a church? I didn't say this to the nine. I feel sorry for them. They don't get a lot of information. We should tell them to listen to the podcast. (laughs) As a church, we have such big vision. And you know what? God is putting such big opportunity in front of us right now. And it looks impossible. But God always pays for what he orders. Teenager this summer said, his will, his bill. I was like, I'm writing that down. I will give you credit twice. Third time, it's mine. His will, his bill. So next time I say that, I said that. God will never fail. He'll never fail. Prophecies prophecies foretold coming into fruition through this baby Jesus, this baby Messiah King, um, God in the flesh. It's going to change everything. So what do you believe about the Christmas story? Do you believe God's provision is for you personally? Do you believe God has made promises to you on your behalf? See, our minds typically want to seemingly, uh, how many of y'all do this? I know I do this. We we like to mitigate information in comfortable bite-sized pieces, right? It's got to be manageable. It's got to be containable. It's got to be understandable. It needs to fit in the box that our belief can handle. But can I submit this to you? Um, Any box you try to contain God inside of is not belief at all. Instead, it's actually unbelief in its fullest. God knows no box. He knows no boundary. There are no borders that can contain him. There is no lid, no law of physics or science. He has zero limits altogether. In fact, human language, honestly, what we do in preaching is absolutely futile. That's why I kind of laugh a little at the smartest people in the room who continue to try to be smarter and convince you of their smartness. Because I'm like, even our understanding is so limited about who God is. It's just so limited. But God knows no limit. Oh, church that claims Jesus today as God's son. The Messiah, the one who moves in miracles, the Emmanuel, God with us, the one, watch this, who would abandon heaven even if for a season so that we would never again ever be abandoned. The one, the only path to purpose, the only road to redemption, the only way to get back 
that right restored relationship with God. We gotta have to, we gotta open the eyes of our hearts and open the eyes of faith. Why? Because faith can see what? Further. It can always see further. Do you, do you see what I see today? Do you understand that the story of Christmas is the story of God's faithful provision? And it's also the story of God's faithful promises. I mean, look how Mary responds in verse 38. She says this. She goes, she says, then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. It's amazing. I will be the mother for our Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. And I really want you to see her heart in this one verse. Because in this one verse, we see wonder. We see awe. We see gratitude. We see humility. We see submissive obedience. We see faith. Look at it. This is amazing. We see purpose. I'm going to be the mother of our Lord. As his servant, I will accept whatever it is that God has for me. No matter the stairs of judgment for being pregnant before I'm married, no matter what my fiance may say or think or do, no matter what my family thinks about us, no matter what my friends may say or think, no matter what it may cost me, she says, may everything that you have told me come to pass. See, she's counted the costs. She understands culturally the implications of this. She understands the implications of Emmanuel. And that's the question I wonder. How many of us really understand the implications of Emmanuel? May everything you've told me come to pass. Listen, church, listen, just, here's the bottom line. Really, the story of Christmas, all in all, it invites us to worship. And we're going to see even more of that tomorrow. You know, the wise men coming. I mean, so many, time after time, it invites us to worship. Look at Mary. Before, can I say this? Our, when we have a heart of worship, our worship deepens our dependence and develops our faith so that our faith can see further. And as one who is a worshiper of Jesus, God can do amazing things when we have the eyes of faith and the heart of obedience. I'll tell you this, a mathematical equation, if you will. Here we go. Faith plus obedience equals supernatural abundance. Faith plus obedience equals supernatural abundance. Let's continue. Look at verse 39. Afterward, Mary arose, hurries off to the hill country of Judea, to the village where Zechariah and Elizabeth live. Arriving at their home, Mary enters the house and greets Elizabeth. At that moment, at that moment when Mary greets Elizabeth, she hears Mary's voice. Watch what happens. The baby within Elizabeth's wombs jumps and kicks, and suddenly it says, Elizabeth is filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. I mean, church, when God, when God does something in you, be prepared because he's about to do something through you. God's favor is on Mary. Total submission, obedience. She accepts the assignment of God. And in the assignment, listen, in the assignment always comes the anointing. And Mary's willing. She's saying, absolutely, yes, God. Whatever the assignment is, yes. And then the anointing comes. And look at this. Right when Mary spoke, what was inside of her had such anointing that things outside of her became impacted. I mean, come on, somebody. What's inside of her, the anointing, everything outside of her became impacted. And now Elizabeth is filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, Elizabeth begins to prophesy with power. Mary, she says, you're a woman given the highest favor and privilege above all others. For your child is destined to bring God great delight. And then I love this verse. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? 
How do I deserve this? Now, I don't know about you. Christmas is coming. Some family's going to be coming. You may have the cousin or the aunt or whatever Mary and Elizabeth are. Let's say your cousin. Is your cousin going to walk in the house and go, oh, my goodness, it's you. I'm so lucky to be here with you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'm just wondering if this happens in your family. I'd like to kind of see it, video it, if you will. How did I deserve such a remarkable honor to have the mother of my Lord come and visit me? The moment you came in and the moment you greeted me, this baby danced inside of me with ecstatic joy. Great favors upon you, for you believed every word spoken to you from the Lord. I mean, look, now look at Elizabeth's awe. Look at her wonder and her humility and her gratitude. I mean, these are the attributes that... Follow God's arrival upon your life, or so they should. Wonder, awe, gratitude, submission, obedience, worship. See, the the Christmas story invites us to worship. It's a story of God's faithful promise and provision. Look at what Elizabeth says next in 43. I'm so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. The mere presence of God unleashes joy, church. Know that. And look at what the text says next. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he had said. See, faith plus obedience equals supernatural abundance. And look at 46. This is where Mary begins to sing her lullaby, and I love it. My soul is ecstatic. It's overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-living God. For he set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl. And from here on, everyone will know that I've been favored and blessed. The mighty one has worked a, a mighty miracle for me. Holy is his name. And I love what she says next in 50. Someone needs to write a song around this. It says, mighty power flows from him. I'm sorry, mercy kisses all his godly lovers from one generation to the next. And then mighty power flows from him to scatter all those who walk in pride. So now you see this dichotomy. She's, she's understanding the, 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 the enormous gravity of this. And she says, man, mercy kisses all his godly lovers from generation to the next. One generation to the next. We, we don't deserve it. We can never earn it. It's a gift of Jesus. And then she says, and then she starts moving to the heart. Watch. Mighty power flows from him to scatter all those who walk in pride. See, Mary's not only showing us a heart of worship here, but she's also telling us that he's all about worship being about your heart. Mighty power flows from him to scatter all those who walk in pride. Powerful princes he tears from their thrones and he lifts up the lowly to take their place. Those who hunger for him will always be filled, but the smug and the, watch this, self-satisfied, he will send away empty. If you want to check your spiritual thermometer... (laughs) When you walk away from an encounter with God, do you feel filled to the brim or do you feel empty? This might take you to a heart check. How's my pride? How's my humility? See, it's our heart. It's the fullness of our affection that he's after. And he sent Jesus for this, born to die. Jesus took on the fullness of affliction. He came to take on the fullness of our affliction. And in return, God desires the fullness of our affection. See, the story of Christmas invites us to worship. And because he can never forget to show mercy, verse 54, he has helped his chosen servant Israel, keeping his promise to Abraham and to his descendants forever. So I said this. It's it's the story of God's faithful uh, provision. It's the story of God's faithful promise. He can never forget to show mercy. 
And then it says, before going home, Mary stays with Elizabeth for about three months. The next few verses, we see that Elizabeth gives birth to who we know as John. Um, Because of God's mercy, family and friends, they begin to rejoice um, as was custom. This is a little weird. The whole family, all the friends, they go to John's circumcision. I don't know. Seems a little odd. Um, They want to name the baby after the father, Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, he had also been approached by this angel, Gabriel. If you look in Luke 1 and read down, starting from verse 1. And when that happened, I love how Gabriel announces himself because Gabriel says, I'm the one who stands in the very presence of God. And I'm visiting you. Buckle up, buttercup, right? That's what's happening. And he tells him, you're going to name this baby John. Well, Zechariah, what does he do? He goes, but wait, what does he do? He does what we all do. But wait, this is impossible. Do you know how old I am? Do you know how old my wife is? Girl's still hot, but she old, you know? That's what happens. That's what happens right there. Okay, he didn't say that, but that's my version of it, right? If John had a paraphrase. And then what does he do? All of a sudden, because of his unbelief, you know what happens? He goes silent. He goes mute. He cannot speak. Can I tell you something? If God tells you something, just take it for face value and say, yep, 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 you can. (laughs) And he can't speak. And then all of a sudden, this baby is born. They ask Elizabeth, what's his name? Elizabeth says, John. They all start going, whoa, 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 whoa. Name him after Zechariah. What are you doing? John's not even in your family line. Who is it, John? And then they ask Zechariah. He gets a tablet, writes down John. John it is. And immediately, he can speak again. See, obedience. Faith plus obedience equals what? Supernatural assurance. Verse 65, all fell upon the whole neighborhood. Can I tell you something? Church, man, this is what I'm praying, especially for January as we go into a series called Regarding Breakthrough. I'm praying that a church becomes so passionate and obedient that all would fall on this whole area. We need it. And you know what? We're going to need the supernatural God to step into the vision that he's got for Declaration Church because it's not within our ability. All fell in the whole neighborhood. And the news of what happened spread throughout the hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. See, the story of Christmas is chock full of supernatural events and it invites us to worship. In verse 67, it says, Zacharias, now he's filled to the overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And he begins to prophesy. He, you know, he, he moved in faith and submissive obedience. And when he did, God moved in miracles. And look what he prophesied after being filled with the Spirit of God. He says, praise be to the exalted Lord God of Israel, for he has seen us through the eyes of grace. And he comes as our hero God to set us free. He appears to us as a mighty savior, a trumpet of redemption from the house of David, his servant, just as he promised long ago by the words of his holy prophet. See, not only is the story of Christmas the story of God's faithful provision, and it's about his faithful promises, but it's also the story of God faithfully fulfilling prophecy. He sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of the servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago, he says in 70 and 71, now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. Can you see the faithful provision here? Now he has shown us the mercy promised to our ancestors, for he has remembered his holy covenant. He has rescued us from the power of our enemies. This fulfills the sacred oath that he made to our father Abraham long, long, long ago. Now we can boldly worship God with holy lives, living in purity as priests in his presence every day. There's so much that can be said about that, but we don't have time. Can you see 
the faithful promises of God. And what is the result of all of this? Our redemption, our rescue, our hope, so that we can faithfully serve our faithful God forever and ever. And then Elizabeth. Anybody do this when you were pregnant? You kind of spoke to your kid while he was, or she was still in the womb? Elizabeth. She starts speaking to her little guy there. She goes, and to you. Can I just say this too? <laughs> Never, ever, ever not speak words over your kids. She says, to you I prophesy my little son. You will be known as the prophet of the glorious God for you will be a forerunner going before the face of the master Yahweh to prepare hearts to embrace his ways. You will preach to his people the revelation of salvation life, the cancellation of all of our sins to bring us back to God. She's saying you will be the forerunner for the gift of the gospel message. You will declare this gift. I mean, can you see the faithful fulfillment of prophecy here? 78, the splendor light of heaven's glorious sunrise is about to break upon us in holy visitation. Woo, all because the merciful heart of our God is so very tender. Man, let's make this our prayer today. You know what I'm praying for all these chairs and there's gonna be more set up after this service for tomorrow. I'm praying that literally <laughs> the light of heaven's glorious sunrise would break upon us in holy visitation. I mean, talk about a heart of expectation and excitement and, and awe and wonder and worship. I'm gonna invite the team to come back as we um, wrap today. And it says this in 79, this holy visitation will come and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. This is hope. This is the implications of Emmanuel, God with us. The story of Christmas is the story of God's provision. It's the story of God's faithful promise and how God faithfully fulfilled prophecy. But lastly, it's the story of God's faithful providence. If I had defined providence for you, it would be divine guidance or care, but I like the second definition better. It's God conceived as the power sustaining and guiding human destiny. God wants to guide your destiny and he has dreams and destiny for each and every one of you. Let me just read 74 and 75 again. We have been rescued from our enemies so that we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. See, God wants to give you Life forever and life to the fullest. When God takes residence inside of us, redemptive impact should begin to come out of us. Man, can you believe this gift? Can you receive this Christmas story? Do you see what I see in this? Do you see the implications of Emmanuel for you and for me? It's powerful, it's life giving, it's life changing. It changes everything. It changes your future. It changes your relationships, your family. It changes your marriage. It should change your marriage. It should change everything. All in all, the story of Christmas is just the story of Jesus. And this story is a story of supernatural events that invites our wonder and our worship. And with that, we're going to pick up Luke chapter 2 tomorrow. Please come back. 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock. Bring friends. Bring family. Bring the guy that's giving you fries at Whataburger. Okay, just bring him. And let's pray together, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you today. Thank you for Emmanuel, God, with us. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you, God. Thank you for Jesus. Listen, is there anybody in the house that you, maybe you've never invited Jesus into your life. You've never said yes to him. It's not, it's not about church, man. We love, we want you to be at church, but it's not about religion. It's, it's, it's not about serving or giving. Those things are great, but those things are byproducts. That's the after effects, honestly, of your heart given to Jesus. See, a lot of us, sometimes we get that in reverse order and we think that we got to buy our way to heaven. That's not, you can't do that. It's impossible. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had to come. It really begins with just giving your heart to Jesus. And the book of Romans says, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Simply yield your heart to him. Jesus, save me. Be my rescue. Be my hope. I want the gift of your hope today, Jesus. And if you've said that to him today, please do me a favor. Every other chair, there's a card. Fill that card out. Give me your name and email at least. And then there's a place where you can say, I've committed my life to Jesus. Or maybe you're saying, you know what? Starting here, starting now. He's calling me back. I'm going to recommit to him. I'm going to walk with him. Let me know about that. Once you fill that card out, there's a give box. It's an orange box in the lobby. Please put that in there. Father, move in ways that only you can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go into a time of response, and um, we're going to invite all prayer team to make their way, just kind of find some spot. There will be all over the room people standing, wanting to pray with you, ready to receive you, and pray for you, whatever it is, with you or for you. But also, we're going to come to the table today. Because see, the implications of Emmanuel are this. We see through a baby to the cross. So we come to the table and we recognize that this bread represents the whole body of Christ. And see, he was whole. We were the broken ones. He was, he was perfect, sinless, blameless. He was whole. We were broken. And this body represents his bread according to scripture. And, and understanding that he was willing and obediently he allowed his body to become broken so that ours could become whole. So he can make us whole spiritually. This cup represents the blood of Christ. It's sometimes called the, the, the cup of salvation or the cup of life. And he was full, but we were empty. He willingly and obediently emptied himself so that we could be filled. He, he allowed his blood to be shed and spilled so to cover our sin, our disobedience, our brokenness. And this purchased our forgiveness and our freedom and allows us to have friendship with God. So in the Bible, in Corinthians especially, it talks about we come to the table. It's an honor to do this. It really is. And, and we come with clean hands and pure hearts and we come receptive and humble and thankful. And, and when we come, we take a piece of that bread that represents the broken body of Christ for us. And we dip it right into that juice, which represents the blood of Christ. And the Bible says, take, eat and drink. And as you do, remember Remember this sacrifice, but see, today we start by remembering Emmanuel leaving heaven, even if just for a minute, abandoning his throne, even if just for a minute for humanity so that we would never be abandoned again. And then we, we think to the fact that just a mere some 30 years later, he would die on a cross for us. The scripture says we declare his death until he returns again. See, he's coming again to receive us. And then he's going to make everything good and right and perfect. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Declaration Podcast. 
I pray today that you feel encouraged, loved, and hopeful. If you missed us this week, join us next Sunday at Snyder Elementary in Spring, Texas at 9 and 11 a.m. We can't wait to meet you and welcome you home. Have a blessed day and see you soon.